There's a cocktail we used to drink in my hometown in high school called Gin Bucket. That was just <laughs> gin in a bucket, like yeah. a literal bucket with uh, limes and lemons floating in it. So you guys could, Gin Bucket's available. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. So many, so many, so many damn books. Hi, I'm Drew. Hi, I'm Christopher. And this is so many damn books. And we have Aaron <laughs> Summers in the damn library with us today. How's it going? So well. <laughs> it's the best day of my life. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us. Aaron Summers' uh, writing has appeared in The New Yorker and Tin House and Plow- Plow- Plowshares and McSweeney's, many other publications. She was a 2016 Center for Fiction's NYC Emerging Writers Fellow and a 2016 Millay Colony resident. She lives in Beacon, New York, with her husband and daughter. And you're here with your novel, Stay Up with Hugo Best. That's all you. Funniest book of the summer. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, it's tr- uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, it's like, a, I mean, it's not summer yet, but it's, ta- it's, it's almost the funniest time. book of the summer. It's time to start planning your summer reading. <laughs> it's a summary book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks it. We should um, <laughs> we should uh, do the drink because obviously we're feeling the effects. Of it. <laughs> yes. So I was thinking about this this book, which is sort of a it has sort of a sweet exterior, but it's got sort of a complex um, finish. And uh, so that's why I was hoping for this. It's called, I'm calling it poolside because there's a lot, a lot of this book happens by a pool or like around whether or not they will go into the pool. Um, and so I wanted something you could drink next to a pool. And so this is a, a spiced rum Galliano, which is a, a, a liqueur that has sort of an anise flavor to it. And then um, lemon, orange liqueur and pineapple juice. And you mix that up and you pour it over your ice and you put a cocktail umbrella. Well, umbrella. Yeah. The umbrella is an important part. It's clutch. (laughs) It makes it very summer. Yeah. It tastes summery. (laughs) It's five out of five. Or 10 out of 10 if we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I like like to hit all the marks. So yes, 10 or five. Either way. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you guys are liking it. Yeah. Um, I've had a million. So... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so let's talk about what'd you buy. Sure. Drew. I have two galleys, both of them from Tin House. Speaking of summer reads, I think they're both coming out in July or June and July. Um, mostly Dead Things by Kristen Arnett that has another great bird cover. It's like a flamingo Mm. sort of contorted in a strange way uh and costa Alegre by courtney malm mm. which uh, i'm super excited about that. i know nothing about the Kristen arnett book other than that it has to do with a taxidermist family in florida mm. so i'm sure it's gonna be weird oh, another one of those yeah i read it <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's good cool <laughs> yeah um and then courtney malm's book is fictional historical um riffing on peggy guggenheim in brazil i think Mm. um and it just it feels like a crazy left turn from her considering her last two books so i'm stoked to see what that's like yeah i like when people make their left turns plus i love a good tin house book like the galleys feel good yeah real books feel good too but like they just 
Yeah, they do. They do a nice, nice job. Yeah. Do you want to talk about a book that you bought? Sure. Um, I got the new Lucia Berlin or newish the new cool. FSG Evening or Evenings in Paradise. Evening uh, one yeah. or multiple? Yeah, I think it's multiple. Either multiple? way. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it's, got, it's got a great cover. It's got that ashtray on the cover, mm-hmm. and I'm excited um, because I loved the Cle- the one collection of hers that I've read. Cleaning women. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. M- manual for manual cleaning. for cleaning women. Yeah. Um, blew me away. So I'm excited. Yeah. That that looks really good. Nice, Christopher. Um. So, I got a. We got sent a good talk by Mira Jacob, which is so exciting because I want to have a good talk, and it's a <laughs> um, and it's a memoir in conversations, and it's illustrated, and it's like comics. I'm very excited to because it seems like a completely new form and i'm actually I, i'm feeling like a comics renaissance coming on like i just want to read comic books cool my um yeah they're just so good recently summer i think that must be I, it maybe feel, it's just because it like hit 75 today in new york that i'm like summer yeah it, it really it, felt like summer it yeah. feels like it's coming um which is why we should talk about your novel Stay up with Hugo Best. It's such a. It is kind of a summer read, although it's spring and it's a good spring read too. It's just so bright, um, although it gets cloudy. Um, but do you want to tell our listeners what it's about? Uh, sure. It's about a retiring late night talk show host, Hugo Best, who um, at after the last the taping of the last episode of his show has a chance encounter with the writer's assistant from the show um, at kind of a divey comedy bar um and on a whim invites her back to his house in Greenwich Connecticut and she surprises herself by accepting uh, and it kind of unfolds from there yeah I, th- I felt like it was sort of about like that like that thing where um I don't know as you go on in life you make less fewer like random decisions like you few, like there's mm-hmm. less of those like opportunities that come in front of you like wow I actually don't know what could happen if I said yes to this um, so I feel like those dwindle and dwindle. So I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Or la- fewer opportunities where you're not totally weighted down by obligation. So you could even consider it, you know, right. like if you have a job or a life or a spouse or, you know, some someone you're serious about or a kid, like you cannot just like do that kind of thing anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think that um, the age she is, she's 29. And I think that's like the last that's kind of the end of that. That mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm spontaneous decision making um so this novel is set in sort of like or or at least hugo best is a late night character and i'm just curious about like what drew you to put a novel in that world um i was just interested in i haven't worked in late night um i'm not a comedian i was just interested in it and a fan um and i learned a bit about I was working at a trade publication about film and television Hmm. circa like 2010 when there was the last big dust up about late night succession like Uh who would succeed Jay Leno Mm -hmm. which was it was gonna be Conan yeah it was like a huge thing (laughs) there was even like a 30 rock like about that later like I just think that that's (laughs) so crazy how big it was like it was a big crazy deal it feels like it wouldn't even be as big of a deal today. No. Like people would be like, who oh, cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If any of those guys step down, it's just going to be like, all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was just sort of fascinated by it. And I was fascinated by 
the character of Jay Leno or Jay Leno as a human being and amused by the thought of what if I had to interact with Jay Leno someday, like <laughs> it would be a disaster. I just didn't see any way to relate to someone of that level of fame. Like there, his fame seems to totally like obscure his humanity Mm -hmm. um, in a way that I didn't think I would be able to get in there at all. I thought I would like humiliate myself instantly if I ever had to interact with Jay Leno. (laughs) And so I just sort of put these musings in my pocket um, and until I was ready to pull the trigger and get serious about writing a novel a few years later. (laughs) Um, So were you thinking Jay Leno and like, like using him as your baseline this whole time? Because I wasn't sure who he was who Hugo Best was because it seems like he's all of them like there's so many things yeah he's sort of a composite there's like a little bit of Letterman in there there's um you know traces of controversies that other people other comedians have had Mm -hmm. um there's even like a dash of Bill Murray I think (laughs) um so yeah influences from all over I didn't want him to be specifically any one person Mm mm-hmm I, as I was reading, this so rarely happens that I, I fully f- see some other human performing one of these roles. And for some reason for me, it was Michael Douglas. <laughs> and I like, I was like, yeah, I am sold on, I like, I could see the titles of the show. I could see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It just leapt off the page in a way that I don't find myself caring about late night. I think there's, there has been a, a sea change around how we interact with TV in general, but specifically this kind of thing. I was just reading a Miles Clee essay where he was like, everything has stopped working. Like this yeah. this comedy, the resistance comedy that's coming out of late night just doesn't, it's not funny. Yeah. And, and it's not no changing team. anybody's mind. It's not yeah. doing anything. But I found myself so engaged yeah. in this fictional creation. And I'm I'm curious about how far back you went, how much more you created of the world of stay up with Hugo Best. I get what you mean. Like where does where does he figure into the bigger picture of like if Hugo Best exists, yeah. how does he relate to the real person of David Letterman? Yeah. Mm. Right, that's a big issue. Right? <laughs> <laughs> because I waffled on the the topic of like what network mm-hmm. is this show on mm-hmm. because if he's on CBS it erases this guy if he's on NBC it erases this guy and then it just like it all becomes too psychedelic for me (laughs) it's like and there's like a butterfly effect and it's like does Letterman not exist right um so I address that by ignoring it (laughs) and keeping the keeping um those questions a little bit vague Mm -hmm. like you may have noticed the network is not named um and i sort of set a rule for myself that was like um letterman and leno are never named Mm -hmm. so like no one in his cohort of late night talk show hosts is directly referenced but everyone exists prior like in the previous class like carson exists right Mm -hmm. right right um, but yes, but still sort of an open question of like where he exists in relationship and you know, to to real life David Letterman. Right.
once you're once we're at Hugo Best's house, um, like he almost like disappears for a lot of it. And there's other things like I was, I don't know, I I was like biting my nails with the like relationship with the son. Like that is, he's so his son is like 17 years old, and it's like I I was thinking of like rich kids of Instagram, sort of <laughs> like that sort of lifestyle of like having a lot of money and not having any um perspective on the world but so i was just curious like that that creepiness like she seems like interested in him but not like there's like a a a sort of black hole there that she's like attracted to in some way yeah spencer the hot son (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i love spencer i loved writing spencer um and he is inspired by um so i grew up in south carolina but my um it, when, after I was an adult, my parents moved to the Northeast, to Greenwich, Connecticut, and my kid's sister did one semester at Greenwich High School and hung out with, like, grandsons of Bernie Madoff Whoa. and in, like, their weird, huge houses, and she was, like, new and from the South, so she was <laughs> popular, so she was, like, out on their boats, and she would, like, tell me things, and I would milk her for details. So that's- <laughs> That's what like sort of what inspired Spencer best. But I thought that there should be some element of like triangulation between like the like the tensions that exist between her and Hugo and her and the son Spencer. Um, and that he is also a good device for making her unable to judge him mm-hmm. for his indiscretions because she's about to do the same thing with his son. Right. There's an interesting exploration of, um, I guess, cancel culture in that, like, June can't quite cancel Hugo Best because she's so close to him and, like, has this relationship. And, and it seems like when you get closer to something of, like, cancel culture of, like, oh, like, like that person, I'm just not going to pay any attention to them anymore. You can't really do that when you're that close. Right. Yeah. Or if someone is that dear to you. Mm-hmm. And she starts to show similarly questionable moral choices yeah. which i would i would love to know how you balanced i balanced the morality i guess of the novel yeah because you sort of go in thinking when he shows up and picks her up and it's like okay come with me to connecticut right and you're... she's like yeah you're like okay i know what this story is and then it it defies your expectations at just about every turn mm-hmm she finds out that she's not as good as she thinks she is, mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting, or she's more complex than she thought she was. And also she discovers things about her, uh, about what she wants, mm-hmm. Bas- like surrounding money and fame. Mm-hmm. It like becomes clear to her that she wants money and she wants to be famous. Um, and it was really important to me to just like have her have realistic feelings in the moment mm-hmm. i think that it would be really hard to go to that like hu- that fictional house of hugo best you know that's filled with amazing art and has like a pool and is great and not want it mm-hmm. right so i just tried to be honest to those feelings right one of the most I guess like cringe comedy or just cringe moments for me was um, when she's like trying to do a little bit of stand up in the spa <laughs> with like, which is like full of she's it's like a party and it's full of famous people. And she's trying to do a little bit of like 
and like no one likes it <laughs> and just it's she's met with just like bubbles and silence um i don't know there's no question i just really <laughs> yeah the hot tub is full of like they're at a shock jocks house and mm-hmm. it's full of like terrible conservatives wearing hats <laughs> and they just like she's just totally out of her element and they hate her mm-hmm. yeah i was i was so into that that was like this moment that i was i think yeah i think that was the moment that i really like fell in love with the book because it had this very real like sometimes you try something and it is not funny <laughs> <laughs> and like to fail in front of that group of people yeah, she's a little stone and she's like, oh, it's not working, but press is on. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you feel compelled to press on. You're like, it's not working, but. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there are these other small moments, too, that as I was flipping back through, I found a bunch of passages that I had marked or noted that it's all. There's a lot of really good advice in this book for young artists, for people who are hungry. And it. There's something fascinating to me about that like that hugo is somebody who you can look up to and yet also in these moments is also totally fucked up and horrible yeah were you were you conscious of of layering in these things these moments of genuine good advice like are they things that you believe yeah are those lessons that you've learned yeah it's an advice book (laughs) (laughs) go to Greenwich Connecticut actually Letterman lives in New Canaan go to New Canaan Connecticut knock on David Letterman's door (laughs) and he will tell you yeah and see what happens um no I don't know if there is any advice in the book um I it is by accident I don't know anything (laughs) (laughs) um no I I have had some experiences obviously I'm like trying to have a creative career and you learn things mostly about how terrible life is right so (laughs) I don't know uh, if those are lessons so much as as unfortunate observations <laughs> um can you talk about the short timeline of, because it is this book is three days it's just the weekend the short timeline is sort of what allowed me to write it because mm-hmm. it made the project less daunting mm-hmm. if i think like writing us i'd never written a novel before so i didn't know you don't know if you can do it right um or if you have the stamina but the short timeline made it so I could focus on small moments, which because I'd written short stories, I knew I could like pull off scenes that were just small moments, like small human interactions and that are, you know, not plot driven, just driven by like someone feeling weird. Yeah. Um, and it also gave an important structure um, to everything or an easy, an easy structure, a manageable structure where every section begins in the morning and ends at night. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to like overthink how like where to begin and end every section Mm -hmm. um and yeah there is that really great and i think realistic um thing every morning where you waking up in a strange place where you're like i'm uncomfortable i don't know what to do like do i get dressed (laughs) like uh i want to shower but there isn't a towel i don't want to bother anyone um so i hope some of that is in there Right. Oh, it's yeah. like uh, it's the place where like all of your routines live is the morning, like all the things that you're like, OK, these are the things that I do to get to face the day <laughs> and you can't do any of them. Right. She wants a coffee, but she has to ask 
three people. Right. Like, no one knows where it is because they don't really live there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she's hungover. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, this book is tragic comic. I mean, it's it's always like, and I, and I'm curious that if if there was any like um, like one that you were dialing up more, or one that you that you're, you're like, oh, this needs to be funnier now, and like go back and make it funny, or did you like go back and like turn up the knobs on the tragedy? I'm always working to restrain the jokes as much as possible. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Because my inclination is like to be totally ridiculous and slapstick. Mm-hmm. So I actually, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> I instruct myself <laughs> while I'm writing. My mantra is hold the leash. Like I, I say, like I say to myself, hold the leash and like, don't let it off the leash. Cause if I let it off the leash, it's going to become just like, pages of riffing and jokes (laughs) and it like will not not amount to anything Mm. so i try to practice as much restraint as possible is there any can you like picture the novel where you don't need to hold the leash like is there something down the line that you're like i want to let that go and maybe i could riff for 300 pages i don't think i'm also a little bit naturally melancholy I think. <laughs> like there's always like an edge of being bummed out mm-hmm. i think in my writing um and i think that's what makes it mean something too um that like it's a little bit sad and i'm a little bit naturally sad so i don't know i don't know what do you mean mean something like this the sad parts are what this make this book means something right? right like it it's what gives the book weight or or heft um if they just had fun and then had <laughs> sex at the end spoiler um, <laughs> uh like i don't know does that mean does that mean anything it's right. just like a fun romp what like what is that is that women's literature is that a, you know a romance novel what right. is it if it's not sad if it's just jokes and then people having you know consequence free sexual intercourse is that a book right i don't think so right right because that i mean that doesn't that doesn't mirror life right right no i'm sad all the time <laughs> not now it's the best day of my life <laughs> All of the things that have just been said feel like they all, any single one of them could point towards Cassandra at the wedding. Yeah. The best day of somebody's life. Um, S- the little bit of sadness. Meaning, yeah. Lots the of compressed sadness. timeline. The tragic comedy. Would you tell us uh, why you brought us this book? Yeah. Cassandra th- by Dorothy or Baker. Baker. Yeah. I almost said Parker. It's like, that's wrong. Ooh. Close. <laughs> yeah. Close. Um, no, I use this book. Um, for structure like i read it for structure cool yeah um because it has the compressed timeline the single setting of like the one awesome house Mm -hmm. um and i just love it and i would sometimes just read it um because it's so it's written with such wit and levity and which conceals like a sadder a, a real sadness at its heart Right. Um, which I think it's sort of spiritually sim- similar to my book. Definitely. It's yeah. So it, it's about this uh, woman who's a twin and uh, she's going home to her twin's wedding. And there's some sort of tension around the fact that they're, they, they were like attached at the hip twins sort of at some point. 
Um, but that is no longer the case. And so she's coming to see her twin after a long time. Um, it's almost a sexual tension between them. Yeah. Right? Well, they're very... Well, I mean, she's so... She admits very early on how narcissistic she is and how much she loves looking at herself and like how she looks in the mirror and will sometimes just see her sister. Right. She's like also still really into that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's truly Narcissus. Like when you think about the fact that Narcissus was so enamored of himself, mm. that he couldn't look away. Like, of course that's a sexual thing. Yeah. Right. Which is like, so then it's also though, like that, that could maybe turn off somebody where they're like, oh, I don't know, borderline incest, creepy. It's so funny. Yeah. There are these these moments of, the first time I laughed out loud, she goes and she climbs up, um, she like climbs up a rusty ladder at one point, very early on in the book. And then there's a, the way it's described that she falls off of it. There's nothing about her falling. It's just that she picks herself up off the ground. Mm. And there's just, it was like, it was slapstick, but without, the slapstick yeah like they skip the slapstick fall yeah which and then so much of the book does that it's like the the thing that should be funny lives in this sort of cutout and you just see everything around it well and she she hears cassandra who you who the voice you start with she's so cutting um (laughs) and she also like really wants like witty rejoinders to everything and she's like disappointed if you don't have one so she she's and she's constantly when someone says something back to her that has like like a nice smack of wit to it she's just like ah very nice like, <laughs> uh, you've risen to the occasion of talking to me she's great she, her, the voice is incredible the voice drives the whole thing and i think you're just immediately in love with her mm. yeah even though she's, she's weird yeah and <laughs> flawed um, but you can't, you can't help it. She's so funny and so winning. She, um, I think the first time I laughed was when they're having their, um, they haven't seen each other in a while and they're like by the pool and they're pretty drunk. Um, and she's just like pouring brandy into her sister's glass and just like, ah, oh, yes, we can share this. Like we're the same. And just <laughs> like, I was laughing so much about like the way that they kept like giving this drink back and forth to each other. <laughs> Like, I feel like three ounces of brandy just passed between them, like, over and over for, like, a good ten pages. The thing I think about that always makes me laugh is how she keeps making a hangover remedy for herself. Um, <laughs> but it's, like, got a splash of vodka in it. Yeah. And she keeps telling her grandmother it's white port. <laughs> there's, a, I mean, there's a great moment at the end, too, where the dad's like, white port, what? And it's, like, it's the perfect payoff to that running joke. Yeah. Can we talk about pianos? Because like the the piano is like, a, first of all, it's a very, I, f- I feel like it, as far as instruments go, it's a narcissistic instrument in in a way like this, because it's this huge <laughs> thing. You have to have thousands of pounds of it. Uh-huh. And then like, you know, there's a lot of like piano soloists and things, but um, it's not Cassandra's instrument. It's her sister's uh, more Judith's. Um, I don't know. I I love pianos, and I and I started listening. I listened to piano while I was reading this because I don't know. Sure, it's just something to do. Set the mood. It's appropriate, <laughs> though corny. <laughs> that's that's exactly the line I walk all the yeah, time. That's the vibe. Yeah. It's also like it's just such a big thing. Yeah. That it's difficult to split. Yeah. As as you're thinking about these two people who have been together and are 
in one way or another, like their lives are about to change. The, the piano, I found myself like wanting to, I don't actually want to write the essay, but if I was in college, I'd be like, ah, I can bet you I can get an essay out of this piano. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could follow the piano. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the elephant in the room, right? It's like the piano and the apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their re- their indivisible relationship. That she left behind. Yeah. Meaty. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's meaty. But it's also so great as just like a rich person thing. There, oh, yeah. There are so many great rich person signifiers in this. This book is just like unabashedly in praise of being rich. Yeah. Um, which is refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording. That like, there's no, there's there's nothing about class in it other than like, yep. So this big house, it's they like they want to have a big wedding. The grandmother is like, but we need to invite all of my bridge friends. Yeah, and they're like, well, what if it was smaller? And that is so appalling yeah. to the grandmother. Like, how how could you not invite your teacher? Who's like maybe dead, but your your grade school teacher must come mm. along with all of these other people. I was horrified. I'm planning a wedding right now. And it's <laughs> <laughs> that's so you're you're marking that like, well, that's not good wedding planning. And at all. I'm about to go to a thing at a house in California that like has a pool outside. So you're gonna live in out the this in book. the foothills of the sea. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> don't. Uh, watch, Neither of my fiance nor I have a twin. So <laughs> that's... that you wanna. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's, there's some. <laughs> I don't even. I almost used an excellent. Am I allowed to swear? Have I oh, been yes. swearing? No, you're allowed okay. to. Okay, all right. <laughs> we usually Christopher doesn't swear because his mom listens to the podcast. It's Aww. very sweet. Yeah, there's it's more sweet. of that appropriate and corny. I, I was thinking of it, you know, you said Joan Didion and I was thinking Nora Ephron, like there's just like these people are horrible, but the witticisms like and the mm-hmm. and the just like charmingness of it, like it just floats you right on by all the fact that they're horrible. Full of Joan Didion. Yeah. Right? Like she's from that part of California, isn't mm-hmm. she? It, yeah. I mean, it, it, I was really thinking a lot about Play It As It Lays and the like the way that that voice, too, is so compelling and yet kind of terrible. Right. And you're like, I don't, do I want to be in this clearly unwell person's mind? Yeah. Well, and yet I can't put it down. Didion also loved to like mention when someone had like a good rejoinder or like when mm-hmm. like, ah, that was witty. Like, right. She, like, <laughs> she thought the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about how this book had sort of like a, a West coast, but they had this like East coast richness aesthetic. And then your book had a sort of, east coast but they're definitely in like a west coast vibe the whole time like in their hot tubs and pools like it it, i don't know i i was i was aware of that reading them very close to each other yeah in my book they're definitely conspicuously new money Mm -hmm. not like east coast old money whereas in cassandra they read as old money right Mm. for sure i was also thinking of um Greta Gerwig <laughs> while I was while I was reading this like uh, Mistress America like I feel like they're very this this that could have been the house for one of either of these books for sure yeah. so actually a secret <laughs> about my writing this is maybe embarrassing <laughs> this might be one of those things I ac- ask you to exclude later <laughs> is I sometimes have to to like get up the nerve to like write continue to write a dialogue driven book with no plot I have to <laughs> disassociate completely like 
tell myself I'm someone else. Mm-hmm. And the person I sometimes do is Noah Baumbach. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can see yeah. that. I yeah. can totally see that. I have to like do like one of these. I'm shaking my arm. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, you're not you. You're you're Noah Baumbach. Like just just write dialogue. I love mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's also clearly it works. Yeah. So it works. Well, it gives me it gives me the nerve anyway, the nerve to not have right. a plot and the nerve to have it be like relationship driven and have these people be sort of horrible um, and flawed. So I think um, I think this is something that I've been um, noticing recently is that people uh, I guess because we had we've been ta- we were talking about women talking by Miriam Tevs as well, which is also very it's called women talking. Yeah, <laughs> it's dialogue driven. Does what it says on the tin. Uh, but that the idea that these aren't plot driven is sort of strange to me because they're so tense. Like, like mm-hmm. tension. Tension is plot. Plot is tension. Like emotionality. I, 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 I think it's a mistake to say that um, there's no plot to stay up with Hugo Best because there is. Like it's, but it's like small. And I think that that can be exciting. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mostly identify as post-plot. <laughs> like, I can't, I'm not even interested in trying to write a traditional plot where mm-hmm. a lot of big eventy things happen and this thing over here moves a gear that eventually like causes this thing way down the timeline to happen and it's very satisfying. I don't think, I'm, I'm just like not interested in that at mm. all. I can't do it. If like when I attempt causality, it's like a disaster. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, all I can do is focus on you know small moments between people. Well, um, I mean, this particular book was it's it's tense because the whole time there there it doesn't feel like causality. It, it feels like and at any moment like she could decide to do something different, like and run like she could at any time just leave like that that is a i mean she has she was driven there so but <laughs> i'm talking about your book stay up with you go best um but this uh i mean cassandra at the wedding too like you, she could at any moment just change her mind and like get out of there but there's that ten- i don't know i love that yeah well i mean it happens a little bit in so there's there is a voice shift, which is also one of the most impressive things about Cassandra, where it goes from Cassandra to Judith, and y- they feel like almost the same voice, but just very slight, distinct ways not. Mm. But Judith kind of does that. I don't. Uh, I mean, we're we're in spoiler territory. Also, the book came out in 1962, so deal with it. <laughs> yeah, don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Judith decides not quite to elope but she and her husband are like fuck it let's go to the courthouse right now let's do it well yeah and that there's something about that that like she we're seeing the contrast in a really neat way where cassandra could make the choice but she doesn't to to change things to get out to do something and judith without even being aware that she's doing it is like i'm gonna go do this yeah which is uh, it, it was like and then to go back to cassandra at the end of the book it just it everything like builds and layers but in a way that doesn't feel like plot it just does feel like character development Mm. yeah um it's really brilliant that point of view shift i think um often when i'm reading a book with multiple point of views i'm like why Mm -hmm. just let me stay with the main guy yeah Yeah. i liked him give me the the main guy i don't want to go to like a, a secondary or tertiary person that i don't like as much um but this had like this book has a really compelling reason um to shift which is that the 
Cassandra becomes unconscious, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I love that. She's like physically unable to narrate anymore and Judith takes over. Mm. Um, and I think that's so brilliant uh, and such such a smart craft decision. And mm. I envy it. It's almost <laughs> like it, it's another one of those things that in the right light could be funny. Like in, in this book, it is very much not. It's very much leaning into the tragedy side. But that idea that like somebody gets knocked out and the POV shifts. Yeah. That's hilarious. It could be That's funny. That's great. Could be. Um, totally. Uh, yeah, um, no, not played for <laughs> lols though. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Aaron, you mentioned that you had picked up Cassandra at the wedding as you were working on Stay Up With Hugo Best. Are there other books that you were reading while you were working on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Goodbye Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Lucky Jim. Oh. oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I think is the greatest, maybe the greatest comic novel ever written. Um, and is the same sort of like One Weekend with an Idiot <laughs> oh, please make the top 10 list of one weekend with an idiot like there that's... there are a lot um straight man with richard russo uh-huh. with richard russo <laughs> <laughs> at richard russo before richard russo no by richard russo um, uh who is rich by matt clam it's like oh yeah that's a week what else did i read Oh, oh, um, Desperate Characters. Mm. Do you guys know that book? No. It's amazing. Paula Fox. Ooh. I do know that name. I know, yeah. Yeah. You got to look it up. It's so, it's a weekend with an idiot. But she's, (laughs) um, in New York City, she is scratched or bitten by a cat (gasps) that might be rabid, and she just, like, does not get attention for it all weekend. (laughs) Attention builds. I'm sold. It's so good. It's like, it's like a New York City classic. There was another book that you <laughs> can't wait. Um, recommended for the show that I'm trying to remember. Though. Oh, after Claude. Mm-hmm. After Claude is only over a couple days too. That's an NYRB, also, and it is so amazing. Iris Owens. It's like a truly awful person who is breaking up with her boyfriend or her boyfriend is breaking up with her and she like locks him out and like inhabits his apartment um, and is, is insane. <laughs> She's, I mean, yeah, it's totally insane. It's a great book. When we were going back, I ordered a copy because both of the books that you were, I was like, which we were debating. We were like, which one should we do? Yeah. It was, a, it was literally like a coin toss. Yeah. Um, we should talk about recommendations because we're already in it. Yes, sure. Um. We read some pretty cool books. We recommend you take a look. Yeah. Do you want to recommend something? either of you <laughs> you looked dead in between the two of us to ask that question as though you're speaking perhaps to a ghost i have two. Oh yeah. yeah okay one is a book so this is serious um well not serious <laughs> but uh do you guys know this book coming out three women by lisa tadeo mm, I've, I've heard of it june but... or july it's non-fiction but it's like written in a very novelistic way cool like i think that even in the first person which is crazy. And it's just about three. She just follows 
three ordinary women and it's about their just like their sexual desire and that's really it in their mm. ordinary lives amazing and it, it's amazingly executed it's incredible it's the best book i've written this read this year the Ooh. best book i've written this year is stay up <laughs> <laughs> um, and my other recommendation is jay mcinerney's instagram <laughs> nice <laughs> okay which i think is the antidote to brett easton ellis's oh thank god uh-huh. terrible everything everything terrible everything yeah. yeah he's just a delight he goes around in a suit on Instagram. He's <laughs> really like good suits, terrible. really good suits. He drinks his wine <laughs> and he's just aging pleasantly. Yes. That's mm. uh, some um, goals right there. Yeah. I've come really <laughs> close to DMing him a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> just to be like, I'm a, I'm a young novelist. Like, <laughs> Hey, Wow. <laughs> do, you, do you have any wine recommendations? <laughs> yeah, or cocaine? That, that <laughs> he's probably he's probably done with that at this point. Okay, do you have a recommendation, Drew? I do another um another like tragic comic super voicey in the right mood it's funny in the right mood it's very much not. Uh Muriel Sparks the Ballad of Peckham Rye. Mm. I read a bunch of Spark recently and Peckham Rye is like it's also right up my alley a character who may or may not be the devil shows up mm. in this little town and just causes havoc. His name is either uh, Dougal Douglas or Douglas Dougal. And it's just like, it is, it's my favorite Muriel spark novel. It has all of the like effervescent wit. And then also just some really horrible shit happens. And you as the reader kind of have to decide, am I going to laugh or am I going to feel bad about this? Mm. And I chose to laugh and I laughed a lot. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. Christopher, how about you? Uh, so I'm recommending um, this, you know, I'm, I was saying I was into comics earlier and I and I just read one that was just like an obvious masterpiece, uh, Clyde Fans by Seth. Um, it's out from Drawn and Quarterly at the end of the month. It might be out by the time this comes out. Um, so this is a 20 years in the making graphic novel. He's released some of the books, but hasn't released the full project yet. And uh, it it follows a a a fan supplier, uh, two brothers who run a a fan supplier in Canada. And I know you're already at the edges of your seat, <laughs> but uh, it it it's so I don't know. It's an explanation of it's an exploration of melancholy and uh, life and duty and brotherhood. I don't know. I was it, it was. A huge bummer. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> really so. I know, but it was so like the art is fantastic. If if you knew Seth, um, you've seen his drawings. He's been uh he's done New Yorker covers and mm-hmm. and he did uh, some Lemony Snicket books. Yeah, he did all the wrong questions. Yeah, um, yeah, you know his work. Um, and this is just a culmination, and it's just I don't know. You're just in the present. You just realize while you're reading it, like this is an amazing accomplishment. A lifelong accomplishment. Cool. Yeah. Sounds great. Highly recommended. Nice. Also highly recommended. Stay up with Hugo Best. Yes. You will not. You will not read a funnier book this summer. Um, and then the things we always recommend doing is one going to our Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/smdb, uh, and and pledging. We really appreciate all the people who already do, um, and we would appreciate if you wanted to support the show. 
Uh, you can also support the show by writing to us. On all the things, we're so many damn books. We're also, um, we also really love iTunes reviews. That That's like the best way to support the show is writing. Every nice single one, Christopher writes me a, a very happy text message. And um, five stars. And all that. <laughs> or ten. Uh, but that's it. That's it. We've done it. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the thanks show. Thanks for coming. Thank and you for having me. Thanks for the book. And thanks for introducing us to Cassandra, too. Yeah. This yeah. is such a great... Um, Dor- I feel like I'm going to read some more Dorothy Baker, for sure. Do it. And uh, and yeah, seriously, everybody go and you're, you'll spend like... It's it's such a fast but like meaty read of Stay Up With Hugo Best. I think you'll really like it. Cool. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye.